0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 249 of the main condition Podcast. I am Suede Wade. <clears throat> and since um, the original, like a, a couple of weeks ago we had an episode that was lost due to technical difficulties. And we didn't want to change episode 250's release date, which is this Tuesday. So I thought, <clears throat> so I was just going through... Just all the episodes we've done in the past five years. And I was like, oh, we have these Minkadis exclusives that were never really published as canon of the episode list. <clears throat> so I picked a few of them that I, I really enjoyed doing the interviews with. Um, so that's pretty much what we're going to do. These, these, Just keep in mind, these interviews were from 2015. So <clears throat> movies that were announced may not have come out or have come out uh bands may not be together anymore but they still have music uh, all kinds of stuff so we have three guests that we did exclusive with all in the same year uh let's start with the first one which would be jason harlow who is a film producer um and i believe director as well um this uh, he's a good guy a good guy um so this interview was from may 26 2015 i pulled a snippet of that episode Right here for you. So here you go, Jason Harlow. And we're here with Jason Harlow, the director of Nightmare Man. How are you doing, Jason?
1: I'm good. Uh, thanks again for
0: having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Uh, I know we had a little bit of a um, little bit of a problem. We I uh, forgot what time and forgot how to deal with time zones. So where are you talking to us at? Because I know on Facebook. It says you're from like Arizona, and it says you're from Houston, and it says you're from Tennessee, all that. So where are you at this moment?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably because of the different area codes. I think there's like a few different 901s for whatever reason, but I'm actually uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. That, that's where I am at the moment.
0: Oh, have you been there um, your whole life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just like pretty much from the, the rural Memphis area. I, I guess you could say, uh, and then, like, our family kind of has ties to, like, Arkansas as well.
0: That's that's interesting, because uh, I actually have some Tennessee blood in me. My dad grew up in Bulls Gap, Tennessee, on a little farm. Okay. Awesome. So, I've been there, and it's very beautiful up there in Tennessee, a lot more land and hills than Maryland, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I, I guess it kind of doesn't get that much credit, I like, before you, you visit Tennessee, I, I guess you think of it as just kind of like, there's really nothing to do there. But there are quite a few like beautiful areas around, I'd, I'd say.
0: Is it That's the country music capital. I mean,
1: absolutely. that's something. Absolutely.
0: All right. So you're a Tennessee man. Um, tell us about you. I think everyone wants to know about Jason Harlow. Who is Jason Harlow and what is he about?
1: Um, well, I'm only 20 years old. Uh, I graduated high school just two years ago, and I'm currently dual majoring in film and communications at Southwest Tennessee Community College. I have to go for one more semester, and then I'll be at Memphis, and then I'll, I'll, like, start doing film, like, regularly there. That's what I'll be studying. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of just like the regular dude. Uh, Nobody really, like, knows too much, like, even some of my close friends, they don't really know about, like, my film stuff. They just think of me as, like, just, like, a, a regular type person. But, like, uh, no, nobody, like, really knows, like, all the film stuff that I do. And, like, honestly, I feel like a lot of people that I'm, like, really close friends with don't even know, like, just how involved I am with, like, all the projects that, that I'm doing right now.
0: That's a great outlook. Uh, it's a very humble kind of thing that you're not... A lot of these people that do film, they think they're better than everyone else. They have an ego problem that they have to talk about their films 24-7, but you, with your close pe- friends, you don't have to. And I like that.
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely uh, quite a few people with some egos, but I try to take a more humble approach, I, I'd say.
0: That's great. Uh, but you'll people will know about your film stuff because you're on our show now, so you'll be famous. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, that was sarcasm. <laughs> um, Alright, so let's uh, just dive into it, I think. I think we should dive right into it. Is there... How big of a fan... Obviously, you're a huge fan of film. What kind of films do you like to watch? Are you one of those people that like to watch those Criterion films or sleazy horror films? What, what kind of film person are you?
1: Uh, this may sound absolutely crazy, but... I can't really watch any movie that's not a horror film unless it's just something that like has just like a like it has to have something that really uh, really catches my my attention like I can watch like some fantasy films and like if it's like a comedy with like a like a cool plot or something I'll check it out but for the most part the only films that I'm ever watching are horror films.
0: Oh, great. That's uh is there a certain film that really I don't know if you saw as a kid or something that really hit you. Said, maybe I want to do film.
1: Oh, I would say... uh, Okay, so one of the first horror films that I truly remember, like, absolutely loving was Clown House from Victor Salva. Uh, Way back in the day, when I was in, like, first grade, I saw that movie. And, like, that one really stuck with me. And then I remember... In fourth grade, I was only, like, ten years old, I think, I saw Sleepaway Camp for the first time. And I remember watching it, and, like, the ending just had me, like, so confused.
0: One of the best endings.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the craziest movies ever, I think. And, like, uh, honestly, I watch Sleepaway Camp, like, quite a bit. I, I, I don't know, like, ever since the first time I ever watched it, I don't know if I've ever been an entire calendar year. Without
0: watching that film, well, that's 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 a classic movie. I saw that movie actually like two years ago, a little late, you know, when I started yeah, doing these horror yeah. movies.
1: Yeah, that that movie's absolutely crazy. That that was like the first movie that had like a twist ending that just really like brain fucked the hell out of me. Like yeah. I I was it, it was really disturbing.
0: Yeah. Um, let's say? is that the movie that really got you saying, you know what? I'm going to do film. This is what I want to do. I want to help out and do this. Cause it is kind of an indie hard eighties film. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Sleepaway
1: camp was like a huge inspiration. Uh, I also remember going to see the first saw movie as a family. No joke. Like our, our entire family went to go see it. And, uh, I was only in like fourth or fifth grade when it came out. And, uh, I remember that one had like a huge impact on me. I was actually like really like scared. I was so frightened by that movie for whatever reason. I guess it had something to do with like uh, there was like the the like Jigsaw's apprentice who like would would uh, like capture people and stuff, yeah. and just like that that type of thing like really uh, kind of creeped me out. Uh, and also, uh, I told. Uh, director eric england this before and i swear he does not believe me but he is probably like my biggest inspiration because uh i I feel like like the path that he went on i feel like i'm trying to do something similar to that he uh went to film school and just started like he started out at a really young age just like making movies and stuff and he's a big time horror movie fan and uh just like reading his blog was what made me realize that that i wanted to do film with my life
0: that's great. For me, it was uh, trauma because I was like, you can make movies for like $5? I did not know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, the Troma movies definitely are pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of, of uh, the Lloyd Kaufman stuff, but I do know that uh, those movies are pretty crazy. They're, they're really campy, and uh, they definitely give off a, a, a pretty good vibe.
0: Yeah, if anyone's ever watched trauma films, Lloyd Coffin films are the best. Some of the other ones are good. The rest are pretty awful.
1: Absolutely. And
0: some of them are so awful they're not even funny. They're not like Chopping Mall. They they
1: have quite the reputation for putting out some bad movies.
0: Um, But, uh, so you're only 20, so you've, you've been involved with a lot of projects like donating or helping. I know you donated for a project I was doing. That's how we met. Um, exactly, yeah Which is great um, How long have you been involved Doing like the Donating the Kickstarters Or Helping out productions How When did you start Since you're at a young age
1: Okay, well Honestly, the very first project That I donated That I donated to Was uh, Google Society That was like in like 2011 Yep And uh That's obviously your Your project And then after that Uh like I, I, didn't really know about like the Indiegogo and uh, Kickstarter stuff. I just found out about uh, you and uh, Scotty from Massify actually, and uh, y'all were like doing a project that seemed really cool. So I was like, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna donate to this. And then uh, I found like all these other cool projects from Indiegogo and like Kickstarter and stuff like that. And uh, like I I didn't really. I remember donating to uh, an MJ Dixon project uh, Slasher, not Slasher House, the one that came after that, uh, Legacy of Thorn. But then uh, I would just like find like all these crazy projects through there and stuff. And I remember talking with uh, Laurie Brewster, the director of Lord of Tears, and uh, there wasn't like any like like I wasn't able to really donate, and there wasn't like any particular perks that I was just like going crazy over. I remember asking him like how I could uh, become involved, and he told me like just promote the shit out of the Kickstarter campaign, and we'll throw you like a credit or something. I, and I ended up getting like a T-shirt too or something. And then uh, basically, I really started to get into film when uh, Joseph Henson and Nathan Johnson, who live in Chattanooga, which isn't too far from me, uh project and like they they were pretty open about not necessarily knowing what they were doing and so I like they kind of just brought me on board like they asked me if I wanted to be involved and like they they allowed me to be as involved as as possible like with auditions and like with uh, promoting it and just like stuff like that and uh, so right when I got done with high school uh, I started like helping out with that project and then we did the auditions in like September And uh, I remember going to Chattanooga and, like, helping out on set. Like, uh, I didn't get to help out every weekend like I wanted to, but I did help out, like, for a few different weekends, especially, like, towards the beginning and towards the end. And, uh, yeah, like, those guys just presented me, like, a really cool uh, opportunity to help them out with their film. And I I was definitely down with it.
0: So was that the only set that you've been on, or have you been on any other sets?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I'm actually made a short film when I was, like, kind of younger. I was, like, a sophomore in high school. So that was, like, my first thing, like, actually getting involved with them. But then uh, here recently, I've been trying to get more involved with, like, the local stuff. And uh, even if it's just, like, a little short film or something, I'll, I'll go and help out. And then actually, like, Not too long ago, probably just, like, a couple weeks ago. I was actually in a movie. Uh, It was, like, a zombie film. It was done uh, here in Memphis. Uh, It's called At Stake Vampire Solutions. Hmm. And, basically, that film's just, like, a, like, zombie-type vampire film. And I'm in it, and I play one of the zombie-type vampire things. And, like, I got to, like, like, have, like, a... Choreographed kind of like fight scene that uh, I think is going to look really cool on film.
0: That's great. Uh, so, you basically are um, a producer, you uh, are an actor now, you're a writer, and soon to be director. So, that's pretty impressive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been writing screenplays for like, I started writing screenplays when I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade. And, like, uh, that's what I. That's what I devote most of my time to. Like, I, I feel like more than anything, I'm, I'm a writer.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. Once you've directed, you're like, I like writing more. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that, that's definitely understandable. Have you, uh, since you've been on some sets, is there any horror stories? There's, a, there's I've been on many sets where there's been disasters. Is there any, anything that really said, I know what not to do?
1: Uh, nothing too disastrous, but i mean every now and then you'll just come across a problem like whether it's like something that only affects you or affects like everybody on the set but uh i can't think of anything too disastrous but every now and then you know you have to piss in a bottle or something you can't find a bathroom to use uh you know just something like that there's a bunch of crazy shit that can happen sometimes
0: yeah well i have a lot of stories for you for all the sets i've been on there's been a lot of disasters but there is one thing that will not have disasters, and that is Nightmare Man.
1: I'm certainly hoping so.
0: There will not, but there is one moniker. I always tell any director what can go what can go wrong, will go wrong. And if you have that mentality, if nothing goes wrong, you're not let down. But always yeah. should be prepared, because I've been with some people that were like, oh, it's going to be perfect, and then everything kind of crumbles, and then they're like, oh, what am I going to do? It's good to have an idea of like, but if you have it, if you have your set perfectly fine, you have great actors and all that, you shouldn't have a problem. So let's dive right into the Nightmare Man uh, film that I tried out for, uh, but I didn't get the part.
1: Ugh.
0: <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I'm you, just kidding.
1: actually had a, a great audition, no joke. Uh, we ended up choosing a local person, but yours honestly was one of the best. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you right
0: now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um I understood. I I just did just uh you know, just to do it, it as chances are I was probably not going to be able to do it because, I mean, that's pretty far away. That's like a 13-hour drive.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So, um, tell us about Nightmare Man. What is it about? I know what it's about, but the people might not know what it's about. Uh, basically, there's this... Uh, he's, he's
1: like a young guy. He, he lives with his girlfriend. Uh, they are living together they're not really having any problems at first but then he kind of like begins to have like these crazy uh like nightmares and uh things start to kind of go wrong like uh he he starts experiencing problems like in the workplace and like with his relationships and stuff like that and uh basically he's just being like mentally tortured by this creepy figure known as the nightmare man
0: uh you said you're shooting this in June or July? Which one was it?
1: Uh, we're going for mid-June. I mean, mid-July.
0: That's going to be nice out then.
1: Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully yeah. there won't be like a whole lot of rain or anything like that. It should be like warm weather, nice to wear shorts in and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, um, definitely bring a lot of spray bottles because it's going to get really hot.
1: Oh, yeah. Because you'll
0: yeah. end up filming on like the hottest days of the summer. That's just luck um, yeah, How long are you guys shooting for? Uh,
1: so far I think we're penciled in from from like July 12th through the 25th or 26th but we're gonna end up having like a couple of days where uh, we, we get like some extra footage and uh, we actually plan on doing like a scene or two before that day like hopefully sometime in June, We'll go out and get some of the other footage. Uh, there's like a, there's like some dream sequences that are just basically like some weird, like creepy, experimental type shit. And uh, hopefully we can get that done in like June. And then when the actual like principal uh, photography starts, that'll be like uh, mid-July. I guess like uh, July 12th is the,
0: is the date that we're going for. Creepy experimental type shit. That should be the quote <laughs> of the movie right there. <laughs> That's the tagline, Nightmare Man. C- creepy experimental type shit.
1: Yeah, ho- hopefully it, it comes across as having something more than that, but it will contain uh, quite a bit of just like some like fucked up scenery and stuff like that.
0: That's awesome. I, I love fucked up scenery. I this. I'm just. Uh, I- Nightmare on Elm Street is probably one of my favorite movies. I just love the scenery of it. Is that an inspiration yeah, yeah. to the movie?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say probably, like, I, I kind of think of it as, like, Insidious meets, uh, like, the 1984 Nightmare on
0: Elm Street. Oh, I, I, not not the new one?
1: Not the new one. <laughs> <laughs> the new one is uh, probably not one of my favorite movies, for sure. Ah, uh, it's like
0: Rob Zombie directed it. But we're not going to get into Rob Zombie. <laughs> um. So is it just you that's involved with this project? Do you have any producers, any actors that are like just really influential in this film? Like, are they in it, et cetera?
1: Well, I've received like a lot of help uh, from like a producing standpoint from like lots of different people that I've helped out with before. Because like with, with a lot of the films that I've helped out with, I've helped out with like budgeting or scheduling or something like that. But I've, I've received so much, like, so much assistance from people that I've already helped out with and, and worked with in some capacity. So that's like, like a huge honor. And there's some people that just like really dig the project and are just wanting to help out in, in whatever way possible. And uh, one of my actors, Aaron Morrow, uh, he lives not too far from me. And we like kind of became uh, pretty good friends like about a year ago, I'd say. And uh, he's going to be playing the part of Adam and he he's like a pretty prominent character in the film and he's just an awesome dude he's helped out in so many ways already he's like one of the most dedicated actors that I, I can think of off the top of my head like that i that i know from a personal personal standpoint
0: it's great to work with friends those are the best kind of projects to be one, or friends and professional people definitely yeah
1: exactly it's 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 always good to have a nice uh nice mix of both i'd say
0: so, okay, moving on from Nightmare Man, I see you post this a lot, and I just love the title, Pitching a Tent.
1: Yeah, uh, Pitching the Tent is, is a project that I'm going to be co-writing with uh, the director, uh, Chris. He's a really awesome dude. Uh, I actually found out about this project through MJ Dixon, who I wrote Cleaver for not too long ago. And uh, MJ just like, had posted something about... Uh, Chris's project uh, pitching the tent and I started talking to him on Facebook about it and stuff and then like just randomly I found out that he was from Chattanooga as well. and so then like uh, like I guess just a couple weeks like after I'd been talking to him uh, Joseph and uh, Nathan and me all were like, holy shit this dude's from Chattanooga as, as well like we should be on board for this and just try to help out in whatever way is possible. And now Joseph is, like, officially going to be the cinematographer and the editor. And I think he may kind of be, like, an assistant director or something. And uh, I'm going to be producing and writing. I'm, I'm going to help out, like, in every single way possible. I'm, I'm going to be really involved with this project. Because, like, for one, when, when you're writing the script, you don't really have much of a choice but to be extremely involved. Uh, like, with, from a story standpoint. But then, like, as a producer, I want to help out with just, like, everything, like, the scheduling and the budgeting and, like, uh, getting production production insurance and just, like, all that type of stuff.
0: That's great. Uh, definitely when you write a story or anything, the characters are kind of like your children. You kind of want the best for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you end up, like, like, knowing the characters as if they're, like, real people almost.
0: I am seeing a trend how the people you help, these indie pro- projects you help, they help you back. Uh, what are the what indie projects have you helped on? Um. Well, I
1: kind of like ended up because, uh, like, like I said earlier, uh, I originally just like donated towards the uh, Legacy of Thorn campaign. Uh, th- that's an that's an MJ Dixon project because uh, he had done Slasher House, and I remember like I'd seen that one, just like through like Facebook or something. And I remember being like, okay, that looks pretty cool. And then he did like the spinoff, which was Legacy of Thorn. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna donate to this project. And then like he and I kind of like just become like really tight just like through talking about like uh, the indie horror scene and stuff like that. He's honestly one of of my favorite people. And uh, he, I I, like came to him. I didn't have much going on like film-wise at the time. And I was like, "Hey, uh, like, would you be interested in like writing a screenplay together or something?" And uh, he was like, "Well, I plan on doing another spinoff to Slasher House," and he, he he pitched the idea for Cleaver. And I was like, "And and in Slasher House, it's like there's this girl and there's all these like killers or whatever." And he's now like gotten to where he's just doing spinoffs of like uh, those like the killers that you see in the movie. And uh, so, Legacy of Thorn came first, and then, like I said, I, I donated it to that one, and I was, like, keeping up with the production through MJ, and then uh, I started doing Cleaver. He, he just, like, was, like, you know, write, uh, like, come up with something. He, he pitched a story and was, like, just start writing this, and uh, at first, it, it was going to be a little bit different. There were, like, three different parts to it. It was, like... 1996, 2006, and 2016 or something. And then uh, he, he he had planned on, like, me just kind of writing it and then him just maybe producing it later. But then he, he decided that, I guess, like, this fall, this past fall, would be the perfect time to do it. And so he was like, hey, let's have, like, let's have a, a completely new draft of this done by, I think he said, like, September. And so it was, like, August and then for, the for like, two weeks straight, I was uh, writing it and I was, like, polishing it. As I went, I'd write, like, ten pages and then, like, uh, make some adjustments. And I'd do ten more pages and continue to make adjustments and so on and so forth. And then we ended up having, uh, like, like a draft that he presented to, like, the actors and stuff. And uh, he, he then uh, was, like, fully ready to go just after making, like, a couple of... Uh, Adjustments to what I'd written because of like the budget and stuff. And like he, he changed the story that I'd written just like a little bit. But uh, so yeah, I, I ended up working with him in, in quite a large capacity, and that was a huge honor. Uh, because like I, like, like I said, I was following his work as just kind of like a fan at first, and then I ended up like working with him in, in quite a large capacity, I'd say. And uh, I definitely look forward to hopefully uh, working with them. Again, whether I'm riding or, or whatever it is.
0: This next interview is uh, with uh, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, I've known him since we were probably nine years old. We've been best friends since. And he had a band called Autumn Flames. They are no longer together. <clears throat> but, you know, there is a long-lost EP that uh, he has that, you know, ever since the band, mostly life happened to him. We'll probably get him on the podcast again. It's surprising that we have not had him on the podcast on an official episode until now. This interview was done on uh, October 29th, 2015. This is the release of his EP, um, Poison Your Embrace. Um, So let's just go Scotty Bones. I'm here with Scotty Bones of Autumn Flames. What's
2: going on, (laughs) y'all? Everything good today? I mean, awesome. how's everything? Awesome, man. I'm glad you dig that tune. I oh, love a, it. That's a, yeah, people love that one. I and I can guarantee it. Love you, that know. riff, man.
0: Everyone else listening loves it. They're like, shut up, guys. <laughs> Let's just
2: keep the song going. Keep I don't the song going, I want to hear you guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, this band's been around for like a year now. Uh, who is Autumn Flames? What is the band about?
2: Tell us about the band. Autumn Flames is a three-piece from... Uh, Western Maryland and the cow towns of Maryland, and uh, just bringing you full throttle, hard kicking, driving rock and roll. There's the world needs more of that. I think. The world needs more of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we need some. Everybody likes to groove, man. You know, and and uh, that's what I hope I can bring people. You know. Uh, what can we expect from
0: Autumn Flames? And what is it about Autumn Flames? What I mean, what do the, what do you guys talk about? What are you guys say about what's
2: what are you? We about? just like well, first and foremost, we, we want to bring the audience some some grooving stuff. You can kick your foot to it. You can relate to the lyrics. We're very re- you know everything I write from the heart, man. You know, um, just uh, relatable stuff. You know that you can just groove to it. Uh, what's the subject matter? Is her? Uh, I read a lot about um, l- uh, love, kind of dark romance. Um, at the same time, um, uh, also some heavier stuff and uh, periods of my life dealing with guilt, uh, lonesomeness, They're just all very real, heavy emotions. A little Edgar Allan Poe in there. Absolutely. A, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's from, from Maryland, of course. There's Edgar yeah, Allan right. Poe yep. involved. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I know um, that. I've known you for about 16 years. We go back childhood. Uh, yeah. But I know that you were a killer guitar player. And when I when you told me that you were singing yes. in this too, and it's <laughs> like you're singing on this. And I'm like, wow, I mean,
2: I can't even sing and play. I I couldn't sing for the longest time. I, I had mean, a hell, horrible time with it. How's it, it been? Just, it, came, it was one of those things where um, I just uh, I, I felt like only I I wrote the songs. I felt like only I could really bring out. The true meanings of the songs with with my own singing, you know, um, and people seem to like it. You know, I, I really enjoy it. i really, really do.
0: It sounds really good. When I heard you, I'm like, that's not him. It's not me. Not, not yeah, right, now. right,
2: yeah. Yep.
0: Um, I mean, you already you're a songwriter, singer, and guitar player, so you wear a lot of hats in the band. Yeah. Who
2: else is in the band? Tell us about the rest of the band. My brother. Is the drummer. He's 16 years old. Killer drummer. He's killer. I love him to death. He's awesome. Um, And, you know, we're brothers. We listen to a lot of the same stuff. um, Just grooving, driving stuff, you know. So we have a really good, very fortunate because we have a good connection. You know, a lot of people would kill to be in a band with a brother, you know. So it's, uh, you know, the blood's there, you know what I mean. And then Johnny Smash, you know. Uh known throughout Baltimore for right. a band and so many punk bands. Yep. He kinda brings his own element to the table, uh gives the band a little bit more life. Uh, we got a good thing going, man. Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean
2: it's dry smashing the brother bones. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um <coughs> I mean so right now we're talking about you just released your first EP ever, the Weird Love EP. I almost said Weird Al. Wait, accidentally. I weird Love. Bro. Uh Weird Love EP. I mean Tell us about that EP. It's a
2: concept EP. Um, We wrote a lot of songs together last year, uh, just me and my brother, and uh, we kind of we got some songs together for uh, the concept album, the Weird Love EP. Uh, It's five songs, and it's uh, over before you know it. A lot of people have been saying, "Man, I wish it was longer. I want to hear more." You know, and um, that's very, very flattering. Well. Uh, we will be, you know, we can get into this later or whatever, but we will be recording our LP this winter. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun too. Um, but, but weird love EP, uh, strictly uh, concept, um, dealing with uh, uh, love and and dark romance stuff like that. It's about weird love. Yeah, and it's got some grooving songs, man. and but also. Uh, some some darker songs. Uh, poison my embrace. Uh, love, angel scent. Yep. What I love about the EP
0: is, um, it's only five songs. so It does go by fast, but you like them so much to where um, <laughs> you can listen yeah. to it over and over. My car just keeps playing it over and over. Yeah. Uh, but I do like how like a lot of punk bands like they kind of, like they all kind of, the riffs kind of sound the same. I will say that this EP a lot of the riffs are very diverse. Like. You listen to yep. "Poison My Embrace," but then then you listen to "Goes Into Sarah," "Angel Saint," "Angel Boy. Scent. Mm-hmm. You listen to "Angel Scent, as like a kind of like a really heavy, slow, Solar, riff. southern,
2: slow yeah. kind of. Yeah. Well, you know, power
0: slop, if you will. Power people slop. Like, people right. like airheads. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you just said that a lot of people wish it was. Um, longer yeah. now. How's the reaction been since your release? Yeah, your release least like a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um it's it's been great, man. You know, a lot of people uh say kind of Motorheady or even um uh kind of they can tell my James Hetfield influence. Some of the stuff is uh, you know, you know. A little social uh, D. A little social D I've heard that too. Uh, a very it's all very uh flattering, really. I mean, yeah. It's awesome to hear, man. But definitely, they're all they're all very heavy influences.
0: Yeah. You wrote this album. What influences uh, do you have when writing songs? These uh, not just this
2: EP, but songs in general. I can pull it from anywhere. Mostly, I I have to say first and foremost, it's the um, it's dealing with real life stuff, uh, real heavy emotional stuff. That's how I get my groove. You know, I and and I might be you know jamming on the guitar. And, um, I feel that certain, you know, it takes me a bit to a certain place. Like I feel the song, you know, yeah. and if people can relate like that, that's just, um, that's my, my dream, you know, if people can relate to it and groove to it, you know, it's, you know, double is awesome, you know? Um, but no, heavy emotions is first and foremost, uh, you know, um, I can honestly, I mean, I can even just being outside in the weather and um you know uh, or or listening to my favorite punk album or uh hell even country i mean i can pull i can be listening to just over a, like a, one of my favorite old country songs and then hear it differently and kind of perceive it differently i think that's one of the beauties is you can perceive something so differently and make it your own and branch with it you know the funny thing about songwriting or any tunes in general even a melody it just pops in your head yeah i can't get it out I'm like, i gotta yeah. do it yep you but as far it. as influence goes, i mean it doesn't even have to be a song it can be a pure emotion you know that's the beauty of music it's it's an artist you know it comes comes from anywhere
0: do you remember your
2: first uh the first spark of musical interest oh yeah i mean um I mean, my, I gotta blame my dad for making me a full throttle rock and roller. You know, uh, I grew up um, the first times. I mean, my dad gave me his Montrose tape cassette tape when I was a kid, um, and I wore that freaking thing out. Uh, kiss, Rat, um, definitely. Um, it's just just rock and roll, you know. Um, oh, James Heffield. And then yeah it, yeah um, you know growing up a little bit after that um, I I I'm not gonna lie I wore the hell out of uh, Alice in Chains' and Metallica uh, stuff like that it was very much an impact in, in my soul man you know yeah. uh, I mean
0: you talk about emotions and coming from the heart do you think that's what in the end you
2: pull it all down is that what makes a great song. I think so, but it's all about what you want to groove to. I mean, that's the, the, the one of the greatest things is um you might just you might just want to hear a fun song just to get you kind of rolling or skanking or mashing or whatever the case may be. You know, um, for me, it's a uh, it's the feeling. You know, that's uh, the thing that hits me the hardest. So we're going, going back
0: to the EP. Um... What is the process? How has the process been with writing, preparing, and recording the EP in general?
2: Uh, Well, we got the songs together last year, um, and we hit the recording studio in the winter time. Um, And I had a lot of good. I had a lot of time. uh, The engineer was working with. um, He knew my schedule and uh, was very uh, cool to work with. you know, I got some, I had a lot of time to think about, you know, and, and listen to what we were doing. So it was over the course of several months that we recorded this EP longer than I wanted to, but I'm glad that we did it that way. I had, um, I had time to, uh, downtime to think about the songs and to, um, experiment with them, experiment with them even. So, um, and I was fortunate because I, I had, uh, I had the privilege to, uh, um take guitar lessons from john christ from danzig uh at the time too and he um he was he was very helpful as well yeah it was it was cool it's a it was a good experience who uh,
0: who helped you recording the
2: drew white right way from right way studios that was where we recorded in uh, north baltimore and um awesome to work with yeah definitely
0: and also the EP, also have great artwork.
2: I mean... The artwork, Jen Kraft did an awesome job. Oh, I, I had the shirt. Yeah, I loved it. People love the phrase. Yeah, it's it's always... It's kind of funny, man, because I hear, who did your art? And who's on the drums? You know? So it's like, everybody's... Get the it's CD! Flat, it's flattering, you know? It's it's awesome to hear, like, you know, you know us, that's Jen Kraft and that's my brother on the drums, you know? So I'm happy they're all getting the love, you know? Yeah, what I mean? And
0: all, all I love about it is, like... You know, it's yeah the great case. Yeah. I mean, it's not the, you know, the glass, not glass, plastic case. It's, you know, like yeah. the, it's what bands are releasing now. The eco. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I can't say it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember you cool. gave it to you, uh, I bought one yeah. from you, and it was like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. plastic wrapped. Yeah. I was like, this is professional. It It looks oh, great. We don't, it's yeah. great.
2: I want it. I definitely want to... Um, uh, give people uh, something to enjoy, you know. Physically, you know, like you got, you know, for collectors and for for people that just old schoolers like myself, I gotta have the CD. I got and I and I love to have it and look at it and so I wanted it to be as appealing as the music, hopefully, is. You know. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I'm glad man. you dig.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I mean, let's start from the EP. If yeah. you haven't, if you're not interested, buy it. It's awesome. It's a great <laughs> <pretty bad> idea. <EP. laughs> yeah you all. You guys are also kind of kicking to the next gear. You guys actually have a music video that's done by a good friend of ours. Poison
2: My Embrace, yeah, yeah, and and Clint, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, talented guy. Very talented dude. Yeah. Um, Funny dude too. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, uh we both have a lot of faith in it. It's uh turned out really good. It's for Poison My Embrace, and um, it should be out uh roughly around uh, as of right now November fourth, uh on Wednesday. Um, It's it's very uh, it's very gothic. But it's if you've heard the song, you know that it's got that eerie sound to it.
0: Is it is it like a music one of those music videos where it's just got you guys playing,
2: or is there kind of like a story involved? Yeah, no, there's a story involved. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to spoil it too much. Oh no. no. You'll see the story. Uh, it's, it's very uh, you know, like I said, if you've heard the song, it's dark. It's a very dark so put, romantic song. You put enough love and, and faith, yeah, into the music video. As absolutely, the, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to pull that song, you know, make the song. We wanted to make it a movie, you know, uh, or sh- a short film, you know, and that's definitely what it is. Oh, uh, I even remember. even though it's only four minutes long, it's it's hopefully gonna. Be rewatchable. I mean, it's not—it's not, not Guns N' Roses where you're swimming with dolphins or yeah. anything like that. No, 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 no. <laughs> not yet. That's an accessible LP. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Speaking and of, I'm the hoping el- to um, be on a cliff like Slash, you know, because I have a I play on a gold top too. you yeah. know, and uh, be on a cliff like in November Rain. It is right. Just, just, yeah, just, just no yeah. Do, Just no dolphins. Yeah, oh, I think it's Don't yeah. Cry. Huh? I think it's Don't Cry. Yeah, it might have been Don't Don't Cry. Yeah, because he's
0: he's in front of a church. Yeah. Well, on in November rain.
2: Yeah, and yeah. I can't remember if he was using his gold top at the time or not. But you slash, who cares, dude? Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, speaking of,
0: you know, the LP. Yeah. Uh, you're also working on this LP, and uh, tell us about what's the future of Autumn Flames uh, is shows. Yeah, yeah, and-
2: we're definitely um, uh, we we've uh, kind of had some troubles and stuff from the get go. Um, but we we're running with Johnny Smash on bass right now, so we we're. Uh, uh, kind of evolving as a band and, and getting hopefully getting shows. Uh, they're definitely coming around in early winter. We're, we're, we're yeah. Uh, so you know, keep in touch with us and, and and the Facebook and stuff, and you'll be able to see uh, when we got the shows lined up early winter, like I said. Um, and uh, you know, we'll be recording the LP in the wintertime as well, full length album, and that's going to delve a little bit more. Uh, it's going to be a little heavier. It's going to be, uh, a little bit more, um, conceptual as far as, uh, that goes. It's going to be, have a little bit more to do with, uh, sin and sorrow and stuff like that, uh, which is also, uh, very, hopefully very relatable, but I, I dealt with a lot of that stuff, um, and hopefully can get those songs Uh, rocking too. I'm pretty sure reality
0: has kicked enough people in the dirt to know. Yeah. They can relate. Everyone's had sorrow and and kicked down. Yeah. But the thing is about music, it just gets you back up. Yeah. Um, So where can they find uh, more updates about Autumn Flames? Where can they get the CD? Where can they know more about Autumn Flames?
2: Um, The CD, the EP is up on uh, Spotify and and Amazon, iTunes, uh, all the distribution companies. Um, you can visit us and like our page, uh, facebook.com slash autumn Uh, the Instagram, uh, is autumn flames Band as well. Um, so yeah, we're up on YouTube, everything.
0: Yeah. So definitely check out the YouTube. I know like there's issues with the YouTube. Sometimes you have to wait a while to get away. Did you guys get a link yet?
2: Uh, it's yeah, it's autumn flames. Okay. Yeah. So you guys got a link. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had to wait a little while
0: for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that's where got, ladies and gentlemen, that's where you can get, all of the Autumn Flames info, I mean, uh, let me just say this, I think the immortal words of the dude can say,
2: the, the dude, dude abides. abides, I mean,
0: it's just this, Walter does not roll during Autumn Flames, <laughs> right, shut the F up Donnie, <laughs> Because Autumn Flames is plight. <laughs> we're, we're gonna make the Autumn Flames Big Lebowski memes. Yeah. Right. We just gotta think about the nihilists. They hot? don't believe in nothing except for Autumn Flames. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Well awesome. thank you so much for coming on. Thanks we'll have for you, having you on me on, bro. We'll have you on again and uh awesome. we're gonna we're gonna end this podcast and just rock and roll. Yeah. This next interview is uh from comic book writer who wrote Lantern City. Um, it is Matthew Daly. We did this at Universal Comics. <clears throat> it was their old, old location. Um, he was a really great interview, and it was this was a long time ago. This was 2015, so we're only like a year in. That was four years ago, <clears throat> and um, yeah, we got a lot of cool things. Um, at this interview, is was me and Scott doing an interview with him. We're talking about just comic books and stuff like that. Um, you can check out Lantern City. That's his um his book and it's on third volume. So go check that out. Well this is the interview first, then go check it out. Here's Matthew Daly. And we're here with uh the writer, the legend of Lantern City, the writer, Matthew Daly.
3: Hello everybody. Hey, hello. That going? was kind, a legend already. My yeah, goodness. Legend. Dairy. Oh, legendary, legendary. Yeah. legendary. legendary. Legend, like Way legendary pork, pictures?
0: Dairy.
3: There you go. I, I am lactose intolerant, but I will oh, will do like legend almond milk or something. There we go. Like
4: yeah, there we go. Uh, With vanilla. Gotta have the vanilla. If it doesn't have the vanilla, ugh,
0: can't do it. And we're here in Universal Comics Art Comics Shop.
3: In be beautiful
4: Arbutus, Maryland. It's my
3: first time in Arbutus. How do you like it? I didn't see much, unfortunately. Don't worry.
4: There's not much to see. Okay, so maybe so, I've oh.
3: seen. I might have seen everything. There's a right aid. Then. Yeah, yes. I I grew I up uh, for part of my life in a small town like Arbuda, so I I understand. Although I didn't have a comic book shop in town, we had a news agency, Ooh. which had the back was devoted to some comics, but it wasn't like a comic book shop, and they didn't know anything about comics. So, so
4: where uh, what was the first comic book store you remember going to?
3: The first comic book store that I went to was in eastern Pennsylvania. It was called Image Comics. This was before Image was an imprint. Um, and it was a cool store. It was in a strip mall next to a fried chicken place called Maryland Fried Chicken. Ooh. So the comic book store smelled like fried chicken, which wasn't a bad thing. Oh, absolutely. Which is not a bad thing at all. Uh, the chicken was really lousy. Unfortunately, it smelled great. tasted it Maryland like, Wait, chicken. is there cursing or no cursing?
1: Dude, no. Say, what did you want oh, God, I was going to
3: say it tastes like Feel shit. Feel free. Um, but the comic book shop was... A pretty cool place, and I was always like the youngest person in there. When I would, whenever I would go in there, and I would convince my grandfather to drive me down there, my mom would give me like five bucks, and I would do some damage. Usually go like once or twice a month because it wasn't like too, too close, but it wasn't too far either. So, yeah, it was called Image Comics, which no longer exists. It only it was open for like five years.
4: Rob Liefeld probably
3: bought the rights to it. I think so. It. it was like, no, you can't have this shop anymore. So, that was my first, and then I also went to another one in a uh, Oh, man, I can't remember what it's called. It still exists, and I feel bad like that I don't remember what it is called. Um, it was in a place called the Whitehall Mall in Pennsylvania. And um, a lot like this, actually. But again, like in malls. That's where I was going. comic books. Yeah, Shops I've, in malls.
4: Yeah, I've never really seen, like aside from the, the movie Mall Rats, I've never really seen a lot of comic book stores in malls. When Like when I saw that in the movie, it was kind of weird but knowing that, you know. No, so like things. the
3: first three shops that I went to regularly were all, were all inside malls. So yeah. would,
4: would, you, uh, would you say you, were, you yourself were a bit
3: of a mall rat back in the day? No, I, I to this day, hate malls. But I <laughs> would go, like if my mom had to go, I would go because, you know, there's like three malls that my mom would go to and they have a comic book shop in there. So she would just drop me off in there. It was like daycare. So she's like, I'll be gone back in two hours and like would know the owners well enough that like they weren't creepy pedophiles or like, <laughs> you know, hustling me for money. Um. so I yeah I wasn't a mall ready like even when I could drive or you know I would go to the movies a lot but I would not go to the mall and hang out I just I don't know I I, I have a very good sense of direction normally but when I'm inside of a mall I, I have no sense of direction it's like my super weakness that's my you know kryptonite I, I don't know where like I have no idea. Like, what entrance to we going? I don't know. Like, what's, I don't know. I don't know where anything is. So, if you go to a mall, you need a GPS. I, I, I do. I'm the guy that's always going to the directory, like, every directory. It's like, <laughs> we just went to a directory like that's five shops back. I'm like, yeah, that's why they have them, because of me. Stay that's away one.
4: from the Annapolis mall. I was just there uh, two weeks ago, and it's, it's a maze, dude. Like, you, 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 you really, we almost use GPS. Like, I'm not even joking, just to get through, because you'll go in and, and You'd be like, oh wait, I thought this branch
3: off here, and then it's a dead end. And ugh. yeah, it's confusing. I and it's funny because my wife loves shopping. My wife could go to the mall all the time, and I hate it. So, I think no, it's not like comic book stores. E, e, no, you yeah, know so. the, the malls near us, they are not. But we have, I have a lot of comic book shops near me, but they are not in strip malls or malls. So yeah, mall rats wasn't weird to me. <laughs> I think the gummy nipple was weird. The but. gummy nipple, <laughs> yes. Although, I mean, I'm surprised that didn't take off. I mean, there's like Willy Wonka candy should have made gummy nipples. That would have been a big seller, like for movies and stuff.
4: Question is do you make it taste like a nipple, or are we doing nipple shape?
3: No, like raspberry, I think. Raspberry. Yeah, I think raspberry. (laughs) I think
4: raspberry. (laughs) Raspberry.
3: There's not a lot of raspberry candy that I can think of. That is true. You
4: know, or you know what? Blueberry, just so we can get some blue food. Because there's no blue food. Even blueberries are purple.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's blue raspberry. So we just combine them all. Yeah. Yeah,
4: here we go. Oh, we'll put them together.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's
4: like it's like, uh, well, well, we could have sorted. We could have individuals and then the combo. Yeah, for those who want both.
3: Um, so, bat. I don't even you had even said it yet, but it's Batman Day on Saturday. Batman Day on Saturday. On Saturday. On Saturday? So yeah. my first Batman comic book, uh, f- I don't know if it's an unfortunately or just the fact, of of life was, the sort of the the novelization of the first Tim Burton movie. That was my first Batman comic book because I didn't know any better. I was yeah. like, well, well
4: I, mean, I like the I like the original Tim Burton Batman. It was yeah. all right, not best.
3: I what I like about it, I recently rewatched both the Burton Batman movies. Actually, I recently watched his first four movies, and I'm not a huge Burton fan, but I think they hold up well. Is, uh, I guess in comparing it to what they became, even like in the Schumacher years and even the Nolan stuff, is there. They're fairly fun in a weird way, I think, and there's no fun in the, in the Nolan months no. And I'm not discrediting them for that, but um, they have great sense of style too, and it's very dated now, but still, they have and like also, style to burn.: It also had Prince. Had the bat dance. I do have the soundtrack actually on my phone we could listen to it, but I'm not going to do that because I don't I think Prince might sue us for that if we yeah.
0: on YouTube I mean, Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Um, but the bat dance. You can't beat the ba- I mean, imagine if they would have tried. I feel like they should have the Bane dance from like The Dark Knight Returns. But um, but the Nolan thing, it because it was so big. That's what affected Superman, right? The Man of because Superman Returns wasn't dark.
4: No, Superman Returns was I think actually like a legit se- sequel to. I don't want to say four because no one gave a crap about three or four. But I want to say two. it was like a pseudo sequel yeah. to two.
3: It's. I actually saw it twice in the theaters, which people think I'm crazy because they're like, Superman Returns was terrible. It's just like Superman catching heavy objects. But it's like, it, that? It, it, it sort of played nicely into the mythology. Um, two, both versions of two, I think, are great. And the first one is like a biblical epic in a weird yes. way. Um, but I don't mind Superman Returns. Man of Steel, on the other hand, Ugh. only, you know, it, it was bad for a lot of reasons. Krypton looked terrible and...
4: It looked like Avatar. Yeah, it looked it was, a lot
3: like Avatar. It was Avatar
4: with a different filter. With the Matrix,
3: too, because it had, like, the, the pod babies or something like that. They yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but it was dark, and Superman shouldn't be dark.
4: Yeah. He's not a fisherman. Yeah. That's, no. That's why – I mean, that's why I think a lot of people read Superman. Even Batman fans who like Superman, they read it because, you know, while I'm sure they just like the character, they're like, you know, okay, I got all this dark – gross stuff from, like, Gotham City and everything. Let's see what's going on with my travels. Let's get some happier things. Yeah. Let's let's throw some hope in there. Yeah. I mean, they even... DC even got rid of the Blue Lantern Corps, so we know Hope's dead in the DC (laughs) universe.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they're going dark. Um, Except, I guess, the Flash on the CW, but...
4: Do you feel that that's necessarily the right way to go?
3: (sighs) I, I think it works for Batman enough. But even so, like, I don't want... You know, even for me, like I thought, but I think Batman Begins is a decent movie. I I, I like The Dark Knight a lot, which is everyone's opinion, but um, I didn't like The Dark Knight Returns. But I, I think I don't say like a lighter Batman, but even like a color palette that isn't so dark. You know, that was a problem with Man of Steel too. It's like, man, like where's the blue? Like we want some. Happy blue raspberry blue and stuff. Um, But here's my question because.
4: Oh, who's interviewing who now?
3: Yeah, so in 2008, we had Iron Man and The Dark Knight, right? Yes. What do you think would have happened if Iron Man wasn't a monster hit? Because obviously because Iron Man was huge and deservedly so, it was a great movie. Oh,
4: fantastic. Fantastic.
3: It 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 created the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But what if it would have made like a hundred million dollars at the box office and all of these pla- you know, what would they have done? Would they have rebooted Hulk again? Would they have rebooted, try to reboot Captain America, would they have done all this stuff, do you think? Or would it have just been like eh.
4: I personally That's like one of those things
3: like if if the first domino misses, right? If it goes no, slightly yeah. to the breast and it doesn't hit the rest. Where are we at? And the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, regardless of how I feel about individual films, and I have opinions about all of them. But I think it's really successful.
4: Oh, right. ab- absolutely! I mean, think about it. this is the first movie company that has successfully managed to create a obvious and successful universe. There's a lot of movies like I know, like Joss Whedon likes to combine a lot, or at least have references. Like, apparently, Age of Ultron had a Buffy reference, and they always like to throw little references. And a lot of people refer to it as, some as the Whedon verse. Um, I think that's stupid, um, but that's another story. Yeah, but you know, like. But if you if you're not a big fan, you don't get it. You it passes you by. Whereas the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now, you know, even if you didn't notice it before because you didn't know about it, now it's gotten to a point where anybody could watch any of these movies and be like, I-, I know that. Or like when they watch Incredible Hulk and they see like Tony Stark and everything, you're like, That's Tony Stark. What's he doing here? Or you know, you see where things. So even something like Guardians of the Galaxy, spoiler alert, at the very end when you see Howard the Duck. You know, even if no one knew what Howard the Duck was, after that moment, they could do a Howard the Duck movie now because yeah. all that exposure, people would want to see a new Howard the Duck movie.
3: You, may, you can't now. say no. You can't say – they haven't struck out yet. That's the, Everyone keeps saying like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy probably won't be a hit. It's a monster hit. Ant-Man probably will be a hit. Moderate hit but still enough hit where it's like, hey, were they gonna? I know they're going to probably what, do Black Panther and Doctor Strange. I'm
4: worried about Black Panther I don't know what it is. There's something about Black Panther and I'm just I'm really worried about it. I think Captain Marvel's going to do good. I think Doctor Strange is going to do it. There's something about Black Panther that I just feel like because a lot of people even if they know him they don't know too much about his origins his backstory or maybe don't know about Wakanda or the uh, vibranium and all that stuff. I just am worried that the director they get for it might not have a love like a lot of these people do, if not for the character, at least for the comic books themselves, and are willing to go deep enough to do it. I hope they do, because he of all the phase... I think I think that's burned. technically part of phase three. Yeah. Black Panther is the one I'm most excited to see, with, bar none.
3: I'm excited for Doctor Strange. But just, so back to the hypothetical. If, yeah. the, if, yeah. if Iron Man didn't take off... Would would we have a Captain America movie? Would we have... I guess at least Captain America. We wouldn't have Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, hell probably no. Probably wouldn't. Maybe, maybe not have Thor.
4: I think probably... I think we might have gotten Phase 1 to, like... May, I don't think we would have gotten Avengers. Yeah. But I think we would have at least gotten... One or two more movies after Iron Man. They'd be doing then, what they did
0: with the Hulk and then, yeah. then the Incredible Hulk, and I think, I don't know if they had the right for Ghost Rider back then. Just, no,
3: you know, that sort was of near gradual. Sony. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I forgot about the Ghost Rider movies. Yeah, both. Oh, fuck. And I actually I went to see Zodiac in the theaters, and they accidentally started playing Ghost Rider. And there's people are like screaming, "You're playing the wrong movie. We did not pay to see this <laughs> shit. What is this?" And I was like, hey, "Just calm down. They can they can switch reels." Um, but I'm- think about that. The success of Iron Man One has changed Hollywood because <laughs> now every studio wants to be Marvel. They all want to have cinematic universes. Like we're gonna make Godzilla cinematic universe. What? We're gonna make are Peter they- Pan. You know, they're trying to do with all these things. Yes, are they really doing a Godzilla? There's gonna Godzilla? be another Godzilla. They have the rights now to King Kong, and they're gonna do a King Kong versus oh. Godzilla. That's a, they're saying that they want to do the old um, Universal horror, horror characters. They want they, with everything is now. How going to tie universe? them
4: together? Don't they take place in different years? What's like that? very different universal years? Universal monsters. They universal did monsters. it. Wolfman meets Frankenstein.
3: Oh oh you think, oh yeah, but, Wait,
4: but you, no. But it, nowadays, because everyone wants logic in their movies, I'm saying don't, right. don't they respect? I mean, unless you're doing them all in a modern day setting, which honestly, I don't know if we really need those characters in modern day it, settings. They would,
3: you know, it would be better if it, if it was set back in. Olden days, I think, but it's yes. an interesting hypothetical. Yeah. But then, uh, the, the Marvel versus DC thing, where I, where Marvel will win, is just that it has a sense of fun. What's the most serious Marvel Phase One or Phase Two movie? Captain
4: America: Winter Soldier. Winter
3: Soldier, yeah. yeah. But then it's just like, hey, we're we're sort of doing a conspiracy theory movie. You know, we're ripping off the seventies conspiracy th- theory thrillers. Yeah. And even that being the, the most serious, the darkest, it's still a fun movie.
4: Yeah, and it has its late moments, like how he hides the, the drive in the venue. Machine. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't do that in – you couldn't do that in a, a DC comic book movie nowadays.
3: I don't – I guess it's a sense of self-seriousness maybe. But I'm interested see what they do with Dawn of Justice. That will be – but here's the thing. If that doesn't explode and make a billion dollars, are they going to continue? With, is there going to be a Cyborg movie? Is there going to be a Flash movie? Is there going to be an Aquaman movie? So
0: you're saying that's their Iron Man. Yes. Yeah.
3: I think so. I
4: can't. Agree. I think they I wanted disagree. to. I think
3: they wanted it to be Man of Steel, but the Man of Steel, you know, it's like it didn't. It didn't make as much money as they hoped. It also, you know, I, I I truly believe that to to be like a monster monster hit has to be at least a decent movie.
2: Yeah.
3: Right. It's like the, all the Marvel movies, even the ones I haven't liked, I can I, I understand their appeal. It's like okay, this makes sense. This is sort of like filling this gap or. Whatever. And if anyone's interested, I just didn't like the Thor movies. That was I just wasn't a big fan.
4: Asgard was awesome. Yeah. Earth Pleasant.
3: Yeah. I
4: think I think But they the didn't
3: Thor- have the balls to keep it all in Asgard, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
4: And Thor and Thor I mean, don't get me wrong, Thor is a great character. Like if you ever if
3: anyone's And what's his what's his name? Hemsworth. He's Chris a great Hemsworth. he's a great choice.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um uh Tom Hiddleston as yeah, Loki. Loki, great. And, yeah. and and I mean my god. Sir Anthony Hopkins Yeah, th- I mean, you couldn't have cast it better as album. Guardians. Yeah. It all works. Um, like, everything was great. It was just, there just wasn't enough Asgard in those movies. Like, even like like even the second movie, which really, sh- I think, should have had a lot more Asgard than it did, especially because you're going interdimensional and stuff like that. And it's like, no, we need more Kat Denning being sarcastic. And yeah. She can, she can fuck off. <laughs> like, I've, like, me and my friends have proven, if you take every scene with Kat Denning from both of those movies out... You get the same movie just without Kat Denning. She adds or subtracts nothing. Right. She's just there to be there, and she's awful. And every, everyone looks at her from the neck down, and I can understand why. But I look at her from the neck up, and I'm like, bitch, your eyes. What are you looking at?
3: <sighs> so that's that. So are we are we officially in phase three yet? Is, is it phase, Avengers?
4: Ant-Man was the end, end of, of phase of, three, or phase two.
3: Because there's nothing that's else weird. this year, right? No.
4: That's weird. Well, they wanted... uh, originally. Well, originally it was supposed to be the other way, but I guess they thought... So
3: Captain America's the first Phase 3.
4: I believe so. I think I read what they wanted to do. Originally, they wanted to do Ant-Man and uh, Age of Ultron the other way, like have Ant-Man come out when Ultron came out and vice versa, but then they thought because it's obscure, it would work better in that time of the year like Guardians worked. And honestly, I think that was a mistake. I think they should have released Ultron when they released Ant-Man, because I think with... With uh, Ant-Man, at that time, more people, a lot more people are home and they're not out and about. They're more willing to try a new movie, I think. And then by the end, because it's summertime, I mean, people are just going to go to the movies anyway. Avengers? Hell yeah. But
0: Ant-Man kind of ties into Civil War. The end credits. That is true. And the tension starts with Tony and Steve in Age of Ultron.
3: Yeah. Also, they wanted to own the summer. Yes, we had to open first. Although they didn't. Avengers lost to Jurassic World. Who would have thought? No one predicted that. I nobody predicted. You did really? I'm not a Whedon fan. I had no faith in him. Oh. I
4: didn't I really wasn't blown away by Avengers like everyone else was. I think um it was the second weakest of Phase 1. I think Hulk I think Hulk was the weakest. The only reason I'm not going to say Thor cuz Thor was above Avengers because of the hype. I think it was, the only reason Thor was not as weak is because it didn't have the hype machine that Avengers had because you had all these years, you had all these movies, and it's like, we just got Joss Whedon to have a bunch of people have a pointless conversation in a boardroom, yay. Now, the ending action was fantastic. It was great, it was action packed, it was awesome. But it was just too damn long, too much pointless dialogue in my opinion. Um, again, I'm not a Whedon fan, so maybe it's one of those things where it's like, if you're a Whedon fan, this is awesome, and that's why I don't say like he sucks. I just say I'm not a fan. Well,
3: a lot of people who but, didn't even know who Justin was still like the Avengers. Yeah. I think just the balancing act was impressive. Yeah, which it'll be interesting to see what they do with with the Justice League if they can pull that off too, <laughs> because it's it's a tough balance. No,
4: I, I agree, and um, um, so. Uh, before we move on, because we gotta talk about
3: yeah yeah, yeah. It oh the, I only had one other uh, Marvel question is if you guys are bothered by the fact that it seems like everyone will be in everyone's movie. So there won't be like a true there's not gonna be like a Captain America solo movie anymore
4: I don't like it because and I and I, we had a conversation on the podcast once yeah. where I said the thing I hate most about modern day comics not just everyone's because I feel like while I like the fact that everyone's trying to you know, appeal to different groups. I feel like the way they're doing it is very pandering and it's like, if you want to appeal to these groups, make new characters. Like, when they create, they create Black Panther as a form of diversity. They didn't turn uh, someone else in, and they didn't take a, a, a black guy and make him the next Thor or the next thing. They gave him his own character. Luke Cage, Power Man, they created a new character and a new alter ego. I think that's what Marvel needs to do. but Miles Morales.
3: But, yeah. Now, Miles yeah.
4: Morales is an example of that done right. Yep. Yeah. Definitely.
3: But they don't they don't have the yeah the the nuts to make him the uh, the star of the next movie. I, I don't yeah. know.
4: I just think with but, but people know but Peter top, Parker, they don't know Miles Morales. But it's Spider Man, but it's Spider Man. So you true. Some on top For of true. that that though, what I hate more than that is what you're saying. Because it kind of makes you feel like, well, why do I have to read this person's book? Like, especially with Justice League. It's like, why do I have to read Justice League if literally Batman and Wonder Woman and all these people are going to show up here? Why do I have to read that? Especially now, because Justice League isn't even canonical. It's its own right. thing. So it's like, okay, I'm reading my Superman book, and Superman's, like, fighting for justice and peace and all that shit. Why do I care about Justice League when Batman's just going to show up unannounced? You know, like, it was like back in the day. It's kind of like, you know, whenever you'd watch an old TV show. And you'd find out uh, guest starring so-and-so. You'd be like, oh, shit, so-and-so is going to be on yeah, this yeah. episode. And you had time to be pumped and prepared. And even if it didn't matter, it was just like, oh, my God, that person was on the show. It's That feeling is gone because not only do you not get it announced, so therefore you have no reason to be excited, but then it's like it happens so much, and it's like, why do I care? You know, like, I think the closest thing anyone ever got, and unless you were, like, a huge Spawn fan, you didn't care was when they brought Angela into the Marvel Universe because now you had a character from a completely different imprint yeah. that people actually cared about and ne- never really made never made fun of because a lot of people could say, well, what about, um, what is it, Wildcats or something from uh, Image yeah. when Marvel bought those characters, or DC bought those characters. And I'm like, no one gave a shit no one cares about them or and a storm watch some people might some do <laughs> but not really but a lot of people read spawn and a lot of people like neil gaiman who created angela for the medieval yeah, spawn, yeah. uh series i think it was issue seven of spawn is where she started and then he did the medieval spawn and so you've got two different groups of people you got the spawn fans and well three the spawn fans the medieval spawn fans and then the neil gaiman fans and they're like oh shit this is new, this is fresh, and they're gonna do something completely different with her. I think for me, that was the last time a crossover really meant something. I mean, can you guys remember the last time a crossover really meant something? Even just to you, even if it didn't mean anything to the world.
3: Oh, to the worlds? Huh. Mm-mm. No.
4: Secret Wars. I mean, the last crossover I can think of, other than Secret, the original Secret Wars, was uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. that was like because not only did you get every character, but you got every version of that character. Right. you got, you got, so you even got characters that I don't even know if actually exist, like uh, Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters and stuff like that. What was it uh, Psycho Pirate was a character? I'm like, who the fuck is Psycho Pirate? I don't know. I I like. What do you think they could do to? modern day comics could do to rectify that kind of stuff, like the overuse of these kinds of tropes, I guess you could call them.
3: Oh what just like um instead of developing new characters change I no I think you're right. It it gets really I guess it gets irksome where it's like even they made the announcements like, oh Hulk's gonna be a Korean now. It's like it doesn't do you know it's it doesn't do anything. Like why can't there be an original like Asian superhero that's new and why, you know yeah. there's so many creative people even within these huge conglomerates like a DC and Marvel that are I'm sure willing and able to like let's let's go for it now we have more people paying attention to us let's start to create some new characters yeah let's do it
4: and I mean that's what made Marvel so big when Stan Lee started you know he created the Fantastic Four and then uh, him and Jack Kirby and Steve Dicko did Spider-Man and you know, then you got Hulk and Thor and all these other things. And it was like, it, they were new. They were yeah. fresh. You know, DC started doing that a little bit. You know, you got the Teen Titans and you got all these different things that were going on. The Suicide Squad. Yeah. I mean, think about it. How When was the last time you heard of a book where criminals were pseudo-reforming? Yeah. Like, you didn't hear about that. And it, it's like, well, I don't know if it's they feel like everything's been done, but I I definitely agree with you. We need some new, some well, new blood. Well, it's interesting because the, in- the
3: independent labels... Are now a haven for guys who are guys and girls who are writing these superhero comics to go and do what they really want. But imagine if you gave them that creative freedom out of Marvel or DC instead of like, like don't run off to Image or don't run off to Boom and do your comics. Stay here, except you know expand our universe. And I don't know why they don't, because there's so many opportunities with animated movies and shows, TV, film. It's like something's gonna you know something can hit and if you give it enough time.
4: Now, do you believe in the idea of the story should be writer-directed, editor-directed, or do you think um, it's a case of you need both sometimes?
3: Oh, no, you definitely, definitely need both because, um, you you know, writers, like, you know, we have a lot of good sense of storytelling and stuff, but sometimes we can be our own worst enemies and indulgent with things and you know, not move things along quickly enough. You know, we were talking about Inglorious Bastards before. Like, you've got, like, a 20-minute scene in the middle of the movie with people just, you know, playing a game and meeting, and then everyone dies. It's like, does it move the story forward? Maybe, maybe not, but it's like, did you need that? You know, you can spend six issues not going anywhere. You know, and editors are, I think, sort of unsung heroes of all publishing, not just in comic books, but in books, too. I mean, you don't know who they are normally, but, I mean, these are sharp, sharp people who are helping craft stories, helping to make sure these characters are, are, you know, expanding and developing interestingly and being complex and all that stuff. Um, you know, so like every all-star comic book writer that you read or, or love, you know, they got a great editor behind them. Uh, obviously, like an editor could have a lot of pressures too. It's like, you know, the same thing as it's like, well, you know what we need to do? We just need to keep on writing Thor books and we need to keep on writing Spider-Man books. We don't want to like get too crazy with it, but, you know, even within that Superior Spider Man. Yeah. I love Superior Spider Man. Shut up.
0: Yeah. Um the piggyback on that, it's also you definitely need to editor because in this day and age, people have shut such short attention spans. If they don't like the first issue, they might not
4: even read it ever again. And some people oh, are I insane, i.e. Grant Morrison, I love you, but you're weird sometimes. Well right. I
3: mean that's a, here's the thing, is like you know, um like I I really appreciate a lot of image books, but those are more writer-driven than editor-driven. And you can tell sometimes, because you're like, what is going on? Like, I'm an intelligent person. I've got a college degree. like, I don't know what this is. Like, I mean, I do. If you had a good editor, maybe I would, you know. So there's a, there's a happy medium, I hope. But, yeah. Grant Morrison's an interesting character.
4: Now, um, getting into what uh, you've been working on. What, what I do. You've been working on a series called Lantern City. I do. Now... For those who are listening, this is their first time hearing about. It. They've never heard it before. How would you describe *Lantern City* to them?
3: *Lantern City* is a, uh, a science fiction, more specifically, a steampunk, uh, epic comic book series. It's uh, scheduled right now as a twelve-parter, but it could be an ongoing series. And it is a, uh, it's a family saga. It's a crime drama. It is a, uh, an action-packed, character-driven story that takes place in an alternate world from ours. That is sort of a totalitarian. Walled in world uh, in which one guy has to go undercover as a a guard in the city, which are called Lantern City Guards, in order to what he thinks is to protect and save his family. But he finds out as he moves along that uh, that's not really happening, and other things are are sort of there's other, you know, these machinations uh, at work. And he's, even though he's thinking he's doing great things, he's only one cog in the wheel. Um, And essentially, it's a one, about one man who has to become the thing he hates in order to protect the people he loves.
0: And what I like about it is I have binge-read the whole like five issues there. Thank you. Um, oh, my God. He, he texted and me. I, apologize, like,
3: oh. I, I apologize in advance because I submitted issue nine last week, so I'm a little bit ahead. And I sometimes forget what has and hasn't happened. But I remember now the, 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 the end of five. So. Well, I don't want to spoil it yeah. for everyone. I, yeah. Like, yeah. We want you to
0: read first, it. It's the yes. first issue. The main character is Sander. Yeah. And I really... Like him as a character because the whole issue he, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, everyone's pressuring him. Peer pressure wins again. Yeah, yeah. They pressure him. You gotta do it. You gotta do this. His wife, his brother—they're all pressuring him. He's like, I don't want to do it. I, I want to live my life. And that's what every day person would be like. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to re- go out of my comfort zone.
3: Well, I think we're we're so programmed now for the, you know, sort of like the um, Joseph Campbell hero's journey where it's like everyone takes the call to action and they feel like they're meant to do it. this guy he pretty much knows like this is not for me like i am not the person you're looking for i'm not the savior who's going to make these great changes nothing i do is going to make a difference and that's how most people feel right it's like how you know how many people think they're going to become like the greatest thing ever and it's you know sometimes you have to be a little bit crazy even think something like that um and I'm excited to see how you think it all ends. I mean, how you feel about it at the end because yeah,
0: the issues, every issue, it just like you think, oh, he's he's got cover, and then you add, you just throw, just make his life measurable. I I
3: <laughs> am I try to be a terribly terribly mean person to the these these characters that I create, but you've got to put them through through a shitstorm and a half because it's not interesting if it's not, and you have to see how they react. Now he's a he is for a, a good portion of. Of what you've been able to read so far, through issue five, a reactionary character. Uh, he isn't taking things in his own hands, but he does in, in issue five. I think it's where he he starts to. Uh, well, really, it's more like the end of issue four when he when he realizes things aren't exactly what he thought they were. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like maybe his call to his his call to his own hero's journey. But but yeah, I didn't want someone that wanted that. And even like throughout, he doesn't want it. And like where he ends up by the end of issue twelve, you'll see it's like that's not where he thought he would end up. That's not where anyone thought he would end up. It's like okay, that makes sense for the story though.
4: Now, what um, what got you interested in wanting to write this kind of a, this this kind of book? Not just the not just the style with steampunk, but like the themes that you're exploring and the kind of characters that you are writing. Yeah,
3: I try. I mean, I try my best to. Um, you know, even though it's science fiction, and steampunk. I, I try my best not to make it so, like, you know, entrenched in st- in what steampunk is or what people think it is that someone who doesn't like steampunk wouldn't read. And that's true for anything. You know, it's like if I if I was going to be writing a space opera, you know, I wouldn't want it to be so like jargon heavy or or entrenched in those tropes where like someone who wouldn't be interested in like a space set story wouldn't read it. Um, and I think that starts with the characters. I try to make them as realistic as possible. Like you can you can see that. You know, this character makes sense and the things that he or she does make sense because that's how they've been established. I think that's what helps bring people into it. Like, you, know, you know, hopefully interest you enough in issue one to like keep going on. It's like, what is going to happen with these people? Because this is kind of a little bit unexpected, maybe.
4: Do you, um, when you're writing these characters, do you ever take, like, your own personal experience or anybody you know's personal experience or characteristics and maybe add them to it, or kind of put your own spin on these kinds of, those kinds oh, of things? Oh, absolutely.
3: I mean, you got to pull from your own life. And I think as a writer and anyone who's listening that wants to be a writer, I think one of the best things you can do besides reading a lot and writing a lot is just to observe things. Like, pay attention to people. Pay attention to how they behave. Pay attention to how they talk. Um, because you will. You'll start filling in. Like, I, I always have people in mind when I'm – when I'm building a character, like a little bit of this person, a little bit of that person, and let's put them together. Um, it also helps me keep track of things, even like how they speak and all that stuff. Um, but, I mean, you, you have to, you have to pull from your own life. I'm not saying it's, this is not in any which ways autobiographical, but, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm a father of three. So I think about like, if I was in his situation, what would I do? Like, what would be the best thing to do for my family if, if I felt like they were in danger? Or, you know, if my wife was pressuring me, like, you really have to do this because our family depends on like our family safety depends on it so there's only so much pushing back you can do you know there's a certain point where you're gonna have to say like all right i have to i have to sacrifice in order to do this um and so you know there's a lot of different reasons that i like this particular storyline because i've developed a lot of storylines for the for the property um And I don't, you know, it's not necessarily I think something that people can quote unquote relate to, but everyone's been in a situation or probably faced with a situation where it's like, I got to make this decision that could really impact the rest of my life. But it's maybe not just for me, it's for someone else's benefit. You know, it's like if you're going to college and you're like, I want to go to college far away, but, you know, like my, my mom my mom is a single mom and if I go far away, like who's going to help her out? So it's like, well, will I be able to follow my dreams? I don't know, but it's like this things that you feel like you have to do. There's, you know, it's a weird example, I know. It's not, not in the book, but just saying <laughs> those kind of things. It's like that kind of stuff.
4: Who, uh, who in the book would you say is the most like you?
3: Who is the most like me? Oh, boy. That's a good question. I also have to be careful because... I'm four issues ahead of where what we've printed so far. Um,
4: Feel free to be as spoiler free as you like. If you, if, <laughs> if 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 you the character who is you is in a later issue, you no, no,
3: just friendship. thinking about like, um, I I mean I, I suppose it would be, um, it's a little bit of a couple characters, but I mean I guess a Sander a lot only because he's my he's my creation and I. Uh, I definitely put my, some of me in him, but, um, I, I also like the, um, sort of the, uh, the smart assness of Lizelle, who's, uh, Sanders niece. I like her a lot. And, and the willingness to just like, let's do this kind of like, uh, I'm going to take, you know, like I don't need anyone else to help. I'm going to do this myself. And, uh, the early idealism of, of, uh, Kendall, who's Sanders brother-in-law. Definitely him too. I'm, a very optimistic person even in, in the face of great adversity I always try to remain optimistic are so, you, so are you, kind you, Sudo? Lets you play
4: off different.
3: am I pseudo at all? It's I'll say I'll say I mean when you see pseudo's character develop I mean I think everyone's kind of been in his shoes where like you've got to do your job even if you don't want to do your job and like sometimes you doing your job requires you being a dick to other people or you know like sacrificing a lot of your own you know personal sense of worth it's like you, have a job. you know, we, we, we have a lot of pressure within our world to, like, seems, quote, unquote, do our job. And like,
0: seems like he's worked a lot of retail.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like that, you know, it's like the customer is always right. And he's in that position. Like, his boss is the most powerful person in the world. So, like, we don't quite have that in our world. But just imagine, like, if your boss, you know, even if you're working for a multi-billion-dollar company and your boss, you know, is worth $5 billion, and, you know, they, hey, do you question them? Do you challenge them? Probably not. You know, well, and you if you if they give you a task, if he or she gives you a task to do. You don't wanna do it? Do you want your job? Yeah, so you better do it. Um
0: so you're a comic book writer. Um, what got you started right? Did you just wake up one day saying, you know what? I'm gonna write a comic book or was it a certain like you read an issue of um Howard the Duck that you're like, Oh, you know what? I wanna do this.
3: I I um I started reading at a young age. Like, I've always loved reading. Um, and then comic books... Uh, what I love about comic books is because I also love movies, and was kind of, like, reading movies to me. Um, and so I always did want to to eventually get into comic book writing. I, I have uh, more of a background in, like, documentary writing and, and business writing. That's where I sort of made my bones. Um, but doing this project, Lantern Seed, I got pulled in early on to help develop it. I like world building a lot. And... Not that I don't play in other people's you know, like sand pits, but I, I like creating worlds. And so this was a good opportunity. And I had developed so many stories for this world that uh, took, was able to take one of them. Because the Sander storyline was originally going to be a novel. I wrote quite a bit of it. And I was like, I think this would be a better comic book. And then sort of figured out how that would be. And we pitched it to uh, Boom and Archaea. And they picked it up. And they really liked it. And that was that. So I didn't know how to write a comic book, though crazy enough, is that I think being a fan of anything doesn't mean you can create that, you know? It's like, I love movies, doesn't mean I could make a movie or, you know, it's like... <laughs> Trust me, Yeah, we know very, from experience. I, I love apple pie, doesn't mean I can make an apple pie. But I I was lucky that, um, that uh, Boom and Archaea picked it up um, and I was going to be a part of the writing team, no matter what, even if I was just developing story or what. But I was pretty adamant like i didn't just want to be like i'll develop the stories and someone else write it. i want to know I'm, I'm i'm pretty hands-on like that and especially when it comes to something i really enjoy like i want to learn how to write all kinds of stuff and so i was able to um learn under paul jenkins who i co-wrote the first issue with and he really he's a veteran uh, super good chap and he sort of taught me the beats of how to write a comic book and after that just you know figured, learned and then have been doing it ever since and i it's a great Pleasure to, to write comic books out. It's, it's really awesome. Because um, it's, you know, it's like, you know, for a lot of people, you know, when they're young, it's like comic books, video games, and toys. So it's like, I'm not going to be a toy designer ever. Probably won't ever be a game designer, but I can write comic books, which is pretty cool. If
4: only you can make money just coming up with the ideas and, like, make it.
3: Well, that, yeah, I mean. Well, there is someone like that. Yeah, there is like someone the, that does that. I want to be CEO of, of Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. Um, but you have to have good ideas, and oh, I don't you know <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But um, but yeah, I I would say like for people who are listening, if you want to write comic books, it's it's kind of tricky to learn on your own. But most, especially really the the Marvel and DC, even though they're you know they're kind of the most formulaic. But you know you want to learn that formula and think about like what is what's happening on each page, you know, like how are, how are story beats like at the end of every um, at the end of every odd page. It's like the right-hand page. Like, you're going to have almost like a little cliffhanger that makes people want to turn the page to the next one. And, like, every single page should be its own story. And then, like, even the bottom of the even number of pages or left pages should still make you want to get to the top of the, you know, the little things like that. Like, how do you do that? How do you plot out and, like, how to spend much time and how many panels per page? Like, you don't want to have 15 panels every page because then no one's going to read it, that kind of stuff, you know. You don't want to get too wordy. Yeah, you it. don't want to get too wordy. You got to let the, and as a writer, you have to trust the art. I think that's like the toughest thing as a writer when you're getting into comic books. And the same with movies. Like, I have a movie coming out next year. I wrote it. I haven't seen it, but I know it's not what I wrote. I know that already. Yeah. Because a director influenced it, actors influenced it, an editor influenced it. All these things. It's like it's not what I wrote. But I knowing that, you know, and that's like what I wrote for these comic books, it's not, it's not the same thing as what you know, it's actually better because the artist is awesome. Carlos yeah. Magnus, the man. But you know, that, that's sort of the thing. Like, I guess unless you can do everything, then you'll never have absolute creative control. Unless you can write, draw, and all that stuff. You know.
4: And actually, I wanted to piggyback because I was I was going to ask it, but you kind of mentioned it in what you were saying. Because um, I know, like, some companies do it differently. Independent writers do, and artists do it differently. Now, when you're writing a book. Do you have the art, and you're writing based, you're writing to the art and making it work? Is it the words first, and then the art? Like no, it's how, a script first. Yeah,
3: I mean, a majority of artists are not also writers, and so they wouldn't know, even know where to start. And yeah, that's no disrespect to them because they, I mean, they add. I mean, most people read comic books for the art, and I understand that, so, but they need to know. So, um, I can show you. What it looks like. I I write in a sketchbook because I actually draw out what I write, which sounds kind of stupid. But for me, it's the only way I can do it. Um, So here's like an example. This is issue three of Lantern City. But these are like, so there's five panels on page one. And you can go look at the book right now. You can see it. And then it's like, so I draw, I I literally write out, and then type it up and get sent to the artist.
4: There's literally panels with words, guys.
3: Yeah, it's panels with (laughs) words. And I know it's. About it, it is actually as sexy as we just described it. Oh, yeah! But that's z- so I know because um, if not, I I tend to just get like overwordy and you don't think through. But like if I draw it out like this, I know like this panel right here. I this is the bottom of a odd page panel. I know that this has to be a little like mini cliffhanger. What happens here? Oh, so then they want to turn the page kind of thing.
4: So you, so, I, no, I can't say everybody does it, but the way it looks the way you do it is you plan it out as a comic book. It's not like how, because I've heard some writers, they write it as a story and then yes. adapt it to comics. It seems like you like completely write it as a comic book from beginning to end.
3: Yeah, if I didn't, if that. I didn't, it would be messy. For me at least. Um, and I think it's good to have, even though there's no there's no structure or parameters for writing a comic book. There's not... Or, like, a formula, whereas there are for... Um, there are, like, formulas and stuff for film and TV and stuff. But I, I treat it that way because it just helps me think, and I want to make Carlos's job easier. Yeah.
0: So. Um, going back to um, what uh, got you started, what brought you to the dance, or now, do you have... A, comic, a favorite comic book? It could be a character.
3: Ever? It or current
0: story. ongoing? It, it could be a current ongoing. Oh, so a
3: series I, that I... I mean, if I had to give up all series but one right now, I know this is going to be like a super obvious answer, but it would definitely be Saga. I, oh, I love Saga. saga. And saga. that's sort of a, I guess, cheap cop-out answer. <laughs> but it's the truth. Um, I, I really love Saga. But all-time favorite characters um, for uh, superhero would probably be Daredevil. Um, I do like Wolverine a lot too, but I really, I really like, but I'm also obsessed with, with cities and, and any characters that are urban based. And that's why I, I wish the X-Men were a little bit more urban based. Cause I think, I mean, they're in New York, but they're in like upstate New York. Um, and then non super, well, is that really count? Non superhero. I mean, I love the Sandman series from Neil Gaiman. That was a game changer for me, but I guess he's kind of a superhero. Kinda, kind of, sort of. Um, we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, but but more, I guess, like like an ongoing series that I really like that wasn't superhero based. I loved Scalp by Jason Aaron. I thought that was pretty fantastic. That was really awesome. And there's like standalone graphic novels that I love, but probably Daredevil, Daredevil, Sandman, and Scalp, more recent stuff. That I, yeah, I, and I can't even explain why I love Daredevil so much, but I just think it's it's pretty great. And I think his alter ego makes sense. You know, and he doesn't have to be rich. He's gotta be like middle class. Just kind of cool.
0: What did you think about the Daredevil show?
3: Not watched a single frame of it. I will. I promise. I promise. I will. It's I'm worth it. To.
4: I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat,
3: dude. Yeah, and it's it's not that I don't want to watch. It, I just haven't seen. It. I'm really yes. excited for season two already, though, because yeah, they've yeah. got they've got um, what's this guy's name? Who's the actor that's playing Punisher? Burnthal. Joe Berenthal or whatever. Yeah. Like it. He's awesome.
4: Shane. He was Shane on the. On the
3: yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah, like, yeah.
4: I guess my question is: After every kill, is is uh, is Frank gonna like rub his head every time? Yeah. I, I want to see that. I just want to be like, yeah. Rick's wife.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, whatever. Um, but I think it's...
4: Matt's wife. He's
3: going to get one. I think it's interesting because I we're in such a crazed culture now where you can have a really unforgettably bad movie in the 2003 Daredevil, which I saw a preview screening of in Mobile, Alabama in 2003. And then people are like i'm still hungry for daredevil and i'll spend 10 hours with him like that's kind of cool i mean it's also we're also in like reboot culture which i guess could be dangerous but you know back in you know back in the day if it was a you know think about like in the 90s they they tried with the rocketeer and the shadow and the phantom and it's like uh they didn't really work so it's not like well five years later we'll try again it just didn't happen but now it's like okay I kind of wish
4: the Phantom cuz I mean I'm a I'm a medium-sized fan of the Phantom and I think it was a story that could have worked with better actors and with a better team. So if if the fa- So when
3: did Phantom come out? 93, 94? I
4: think it was like 94 95 cuz I remember Shadow the I was the remember, shadow, I remember the being in like was first or
3: second grade when 95. That came out. Yeah, yeah. So if the Phantom would have happened 5 years later, you probably could have gotten like a George Clooney who wasn't like a movie star quite yet or something like that, but like
4: but, but then work? he did. But then he did Batman and Robin. But
3: it's if like, he wouldn't have done Batman, oh and Robin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh.
4: I'm just saying. I just think like a lot of those old, those old older characters, a lot of the pulp characters, and a lot of the old like ones from the comic strips. I mean, a company like Dynamite, has yeah. been putting out. They did uh, the Owl, which was a very, to a lot of people, yeah. a very obscure character, yeah. uh, a, a character that predates and sort of inspired Batman. And uh, they did a four-issue miniseries, and it was fantastic. It was one of the best miniseries I think I've ever read, yeah. at least in the last, like, ten years. And it was just so well done. It was that whole, like, you know, guy from the past trying to make in the future. But now, he it's rather than him trying to deal with his life... Because it always seems like, it's like, them getting used to society is the backstory, Yeah. I mean, the main story is them getting used to their life. But it's like him adjusting to the new culture. Like, how, like, you know, the new, I forget her name, but like, his psychic, It was a new person in that outfit, but she was killing people. Right, And it's like, no, we we don't do that. It's like, well, nowadays, that's what people that's expect. That's what we do, yeah. And I felt like it was kind of a, a, um, a social statement or like a... Or uh, something to the, how the modern culture is, how negative everything is, and how it's like, if you don't go doom, doom and gloom, no one's going to pay attention. Right. And it, at the end, it kind of rectifies itself, because he kind of turns her, but she's still kind of open to the idea of going back. So it's like, if you've never read it, I recommend But they've been doing a great job with a lot of those characters. I think now it's time to bring those back. Bring back the shadow. Do uh, Dark Men.
3: Yeah. Why not? They could. I, I have a special fondness for the Rocketeer. It was a, it, I still think it's a pretty good movie. And um, they, they probably will. I'm sure we'll see another Phantom movie or at least animated series or something. And why not? I mean, these are pretty good characters.
4: Um, one question I wanted to ask since we were talking about movies. Um, if you can think of one character, popular character from comic books, who never got a movie and at this point is not getting a movie, who would be the one character not only A, you would like to see, but you would like to write and possibly direct?
3: Maybe Animal Man, maybe Animal Man. I my think, man. yeah, I think it'd be Animal right. Man. Right and they—I don't think they will do it.
4: Can we, if you if you decide to do it, can we work? Yes, that's if my dream we, is to direct the Animal Man movie.
3: If someone at uh, at Warner Brothers in DC is listening, um, we want to do it. Yeah, I think Animal Man would be great, and I like that you know they were crossing over with with um, Swamp Thing when. You know, Lemire and Snyder, I guess, are bros, so. Yeah. It was a great
4: story until the end. Yeah. And, and like, nothing happened. <coughs> it literally was just like, well, JK, now they're separate again. Like,
3: Yeah. I think that would be a, an interesting one. We
4: can fix Rot
2: World.
3: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'm sure if there's any others. No. that That's probably it. That is probably it. Oh, I'm seeing the Judge Dredd over there on the wall. That's That was, again, a terrible movie in 95. And then in 2012, oh, a, a really entertaining, amazing movie. Because
4: they followed the rules. You don't remove the helmet. Yeah,
3: well, I watched... And you don't put Rob Schneider in there. Well, yeah. I watched Dredd and the first raid, Redemption, the same night. It was a, a very... Same movie. Fu- same movie. It was very fun, though. But here's the thing. Same movie, but both... So different enough where they're, like, great in their own ways. One has bullets,
4: one has kicks. Yeah. yeah. Now, other other than your own work, what's something, a book or a movie or anything that you feel is, like, so good, but yet so underrated that maybe someone else hasn't heard that you're like, you know, you guys need to check this out? What would you say is that? Oh. That's I, I guess we could say that Silver Tuna, if you would. Yeah. That um, diamond in the rough.
3: Well, I'll... I'll- I'll go with, um, I don't see, I don't know if they're underrated. I don't know. So um, I really like, well, I'll give two filmmakers whose stuff I really liked. Um, I like Shane Carruth's stuff a lot, who did Primer and Upstream Color, which you can see on Netflix. He's awesome, science fiction stuff. And then I don't remember the guy's name, but he did the crime film Blue Ruin. Did you guys see Blue Ruin? Oh yeah. And there's I a new movie. He a new movie coming out soon called Green Room, which is supposed to be amazing. It's about like a hardcore band that gets like trapped. There's like Alan this, Rickman in it? Yeah, like oh, this, oh man, with like these neo Nazis and stuff. Oh, um, but I would just say at this point uh, they're a little bit uh, under the radar, and this is this this is like the the thing that people i remember used to do i'm not sure if they still do like where they don't want their favorite band to blow up or like send to a major label because then they're gonna like sell out but i almost feel like i just hope these guys never take like a big studio movie because even like ryan johnson like i love ryan johnson's movies but he's doing star wars like i'm i'm kind of excited but i also kind of wish he would just maybe keep making his own movies um and then books i don't know i mean i feel like everything i read is pretty i mean i really like like patrick rothfuss who did the Who's uh, was doing, like, the Kingslayer Chronicles, which is really cool. And um, I don't know if you guys read The Passage or The Twelve, which are, like, really pretty awesome books. I have
4: been so By bah. Justin
3: Cronin. Yeah, those are pretty <laughs> awesome books. But uh, in comics, I don't know. I don't know that I read anything that no one else is reading or pushing. But, yeah, those, like, filmmakers and and uh, and authors for sure if you're not checking them out, do so. And I think especially for like, I think that Blue Ruin is on Netflix and a lot of people have Netflix mm. and I know that Primer and um, Upstream Color on, they're they're heady stuff, like especially Primer and Upstream Color, like you need to pay attention. You can't like go up and get some popcorn in the middle of it. You need to pay attention. Everything, every scene matters. So, But there's, they're cool stuff and it's, if, you, if you like thinking man, science fiction kind of stuff, yeah. Folk Show, how about you guys? Oh.
0: The I think it's under. Are we still on the underrated? Or are we under, common underrated uh, f- underrated. I think a lot of trauma movies, the Toxic Avenger. Oh, of course, Kabuki, Kabuki Man. Man. I think, yeah. I love Kabuki Man. We actually did a top five superhero movies on Monday, and Kabuki Man was on my list. And, and great, Avenger,
3: Toxic Avenger. I think was, they, they get a great. bad
0: rep because they're you know they made. Five cents. Not, yeah, yeah. Not well, James, Gun- James Gunn started
3: in drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was Which a great pretty movie. pretty good movie, man. Yeah. Pretty good movie. I think, like, Terra and all, I think they get a, a, yeah. a bad rap. Well, Especially
4: Class of well, High. to be fair, Terra gets... yeah, yeah. best. is Lloyd Kaufman's best rated movie that he's directed. And even still, people do shit on it. But I thought Terra Firmer was his best work. I mean, let me put this. If I, made, if I was in his position to where I was making these kinds of movies... I would have retired after that movie because I just I, I I've seen his work after it and I, it's not bad but it's just like dude you're not gonna make another Terraform as much uh, as I love Toxie, yeah. you um, can't do another one. Um, for me, as far as movies, movies is t- are tough for me because I'm not like I'm not I guess at least I'm not a cinephile. Yeah. So I don't I'm not what you would call a movie guy. Uh, comic books I would definitely say um piggybacking off. The movie we want to make, Animal Man, is, like, one of those characters that's, like, unless you're, like, deep into comic books, you've never heard of him. I've told so many people, I'm like, dude, if you're, like, they're like, hey, I'm trying to get into comics because they know I like them, and I'm like, where would I start? I was like, well, dude, Animal Man's a great series to start, it's inexpensive, like, even if you want to get all the issues individually, it's very inexpensive, like, Animal Man, what's that? And it's like, does he turn into animals? And what's funny is in the, I think it was like the first or second issue, they actually make fun of the fact that yeah. people think that, yeah. and he goes on the thing, and I tell people it's, like, it's a great book because it, play, it plays off the idea of superheroes how with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, you know, when they're in the Justice like, this is a code of honor. This is, this is, this is respect and things like that. With Animal Man, it's like, this is a job. It, 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 pay, you know, it's nine to five. They pay money. Uh, he, he, he finds out in one issue after fighting with Mirror Master, like they destroy his home in a fight. Martian Manhunter shows up. He's like, Manhunter, what are you doing here? Well, you were just in a fight with a supervillain. Technically speaking, if your house gets destroyed during a supervillain fight, your insurance through the Justice League will cover it. Yeah. So it's like all these things. And then there's this one issue where he's dealing with uh Wiley e. Coyote. Like Wiley e. Coyote comes in from from the the, um, the Warner Brothers universe because they both have because DC has the rights yeah. to that too. And they bring him into the real world and he's like He's constantly getting killed, but he gets, like, seriously, like, mutilated. Yeah. And he just talks about how he feels the pain, and it's just such a disturbing issue. But you can't... Or, or I think there was one issue. He meets uh, Grant Morrison. I yeah. mean, how many comic book characters got to meet their writer yeah. in an issue? It was like, it's such a good... And then when they got to Vertigo, they went a lot more, I think, the darker and trippy route. And then um, Jeff Lemire and Travel Foreman, particularly that early run... Fantastic. I mean, the art—the art is, the afterwards was good, but Travel Foreman's art and Jeff Lemire's writing is a match made in comic book heaven. Oh, that's good. You Fantastic. You can't. T- you can In my opinion, you can't do much
0: better. I think I didn't answer my comic book. If I could make a comic book character movie, it'd be Moon Knight. Oh, I nice. think Moon Knight is a character that's very underutilized. He's kind of like a real character. Like that's what would happen. You would lose. You would have multiple personalities if you were, you know, uh, I forget their names. I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll remember much of the podcast, but all of his alter egos oh, yeah. and Moon Knight, and then he has Khonshu on his shoulder. That I think that can. really... I think mean, that's interesting. He plays werewolves and um, dictators and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I mean, Bushman's just a ridiculous character.
4: Probably uh, the best use of uh, schizophren- well, schizophrenia. Technically, I mean, it is multiple person. Isn't yeah. that multiple personality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like probably in my opinion, probably one of the best uses of that I've ever seen in any medium. For also, that matter. best sidekick of Frenchie.
0: If I could cast it, it'd be Bruce Campbell because he was in *Spider-Man 3* as the French waiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: So I'd probably have him as Frenchie. But would he be French or French Canadian? Because we gotta update it. So do we want to do French. Just be Bruce, or? Bruce Campbell.
3: That's it. He doesn't even with no, no, a no, French accent. Huh? he turns
4: out at the end of *Moon Knight* he's Ash.
0: Um, coming, so coming back. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I gotta get
3: stars. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. That's that's gonna be their uh, their big ticket to fame, I think.
0: Hopefully, um, but we're going it's almost time to wrap it up because Gordon's trying to close the store or whatever. Um, so you're gonna be at Baltimore Comic
4: Con.
3: I will be at Baltimore Comic Con Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And
4: and, that, um, and that's located in what city? I forgot. Uh,
3: Where are we now?
4: I want to say it's in Waldorf. Waldorf. No, no, it's in Kenya. It's in, it's in Kenya. Murray. No, Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore.
3: That's right. Baltimore. So I, I do have a panel. If this goes up before Saturday, I have a panel at eleven AM on Saturday for Lantern City. Exciting times. You'll see cool artwork and hear me talk again. About different things probably. Different questions.
4: Can they give you a hug?
3: Mm, yes, absolutely.
4: Okay. So if you so if you're into hugging comic book writers, you can hug I'm
3: I'm okay with hugs.
4: But no more. Because well, not at this stage yeah. not at this stage
3: unless unless I see that you bought all the variants for issue one then I'll let you yeah. do more because he
4: likes to be wined and dined first <laughs> um, if his wife's listening I, I, we are just kidding
3: yeah she knows that I don't drink anyway so I'm a cheap date I, okay. I'm just dined I don't even wind
4: <laughs> just dined I'm
3: just dined
4: um, is
0: there anything you'd like to plug before we head out on this magical journey
3: no read Lantern City read a lot of comic books Support independent comic books, too. Support independent movies. Support independent music. All that stuff. Nothing wrong with the big guys, but sometimes the little guys need help. Support independent podcasting. Yeah.
0: Hey. yeah. Is there a Twitter handle? or Matthew say- J.
3: Daly, at Matthew J. Daly is mine. At Lantern City is the, the uh, project. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm not a great Twitter guy. I try. I'm, I don't know. I need more than 140 characters sometimes.
0: Yeah, You're a writer. I'm
3: yeah. a writer. That's you good practice for comic there you It's, go. Go. it's, it's true. There you
4: go. Now, we did describe this as our Inside the Actor studio, so I want to ask the uh, rather infamous and well-known question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you as you enter the pearly gates? Finally. I always wanted to ask that.
0: Well, um, thank you, and I can't wait to read more Lantern City.
3: It's coming. Hold y'all to your seats.
0: And there you have it. That is the episode. That is three great interviews that are Minkadish exclusives that you all hope enjoyed. Um, So that officially wraps it up for episode 250, sorry, 254, 249. <clears throat> the Minkadish Podcast, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Ish MCP, you can follow us on Instagram, Minkadish Productions, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Productions, we have a YouTube t- channel, youtube.com slash Productions, youtube.com slash Productions, what was that again, oh yeah, youtube.com slash condition Productions, we do Criterion Connection, we have a lot, <clears throat> previous episodes, the last episode we did was Rosemary's Baby with special guest Diana Koch, who uh, has been on the podcast, and also I am on her podcast, I co-host with I sometimes co-host with, um, called Jal of the Month Club, just check that out, uh, also, there's all kinds of stuff, B-Movie Den, new B-Movie, B-movie Den, Redneck Zombies, also we did a new horror short, which he, which is over footage from, like, six years ago, now we're like, ah, right, let's use this footage, and, you know, it's called, bite right your tongue, it's only, like, 40 seconds, so, I mean, it's easy, just, just watch it, it's not gonna take that much time of your day, <clears throat> but this Tuesday episode 250, we're going to have new we're gonna new stuff, whole lot of new stuff, it's going to be the same old making dish, but a little new flavor to it, um, and also we're going to give you two Criterion Connections for one week, yeah, that's right, we are doing, or for our five year anniversary, we are doing Seven Samurai, yes, the classic Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai, and we're also going to have Fiend Without a Face, which we were supposed to do two weeks ago, one of our Halloween episodes, but we had to postpone it. <clears throat> so that's all that's happening this week a lot of cool things happening this week so tune in uh, as always i am suede wade and um as always keep it clean keep it sweet but most importantly you got to keep it mint condition